Welcome to the Fellowship College Podcast. We're here with you live in the podcast studio with another episode. If you didn't join us last time, we're on season one of this podcast talking about the things that everybody else in the church is a little afraid to talk about. And so if you didn't see that first episode, we talked about purity culture. So go check that out. Today, we have something fun. But before we get to that, you got to see our team again. And as a way of intro, I want to know what everybody's Chick-fil-A order is. Like, what is like your favorite thing to order at Chick-fil-A? I know exactly my Chick-fil-A order every (laughs) single time. Here's the hack. Spicy chicken sandwich, because spicy is always better. Yep. Add cheese and bacon. Pepper jack cheese. Yes, pepper jack cheese. Mix the spice. Bacon. Oh, I didn't do that. I've never done the bacon. Bro, get the bacon on there. The buffalo sauce? I've never done that, but maybe I should try that now. You pour, you like just dump buffalo. We just want it spicy. Spicy, bacon, cheese. Don't get the meal with the fries. Forget the fries. Get a large fry. No, no, no. Listen. Get a five count nugget instead. It's the exact same price. They don't even have five count nugget on the menu, but they will give it to you. So you instead of sandwich fries, you get sandwich nugs. It's like protein on protein. Yeah, I actually I kind of respect. What sauce do you do you use? I for, usually for your nugs. For my nugs, yeah, Chick Fil A sauce usually. Okay, yeah. Sometimes ranch, usually Chick Fil A. Okay, but I'll sometimes use the ranch with the spicy chicken because it mixes well. I love that. Well, Eileen's giving me, what? what's Sorry. up, Eileen? She's like staring I, at me real mean. I don't like how for you guys keep you, saying nugs. For those, like you that, <laughs> for those of you that don't know Eileen, she's a northerner. She's from, from Michigan. And so yes. she kind of hates, she kind of oh, hates everything uh, about the South. I don't know about that up. No, I'm embracing the South. I love it. Woo pig. Um, okay, so my- That was chick- almost convincing. <laughs> I was almost convinced by that. <laughs> um, my Chick-fil-A order, uh, I get the nuggets. Um, chicken nuggets. What's that? The eight count. Um, with uh, where's the nugget on a chicken? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, and then I get the waffle fries because those are so good. But if you I'm get them, feeling you healthy, get them well done because sometimes they can be a little soggy. Yeah, you don't oh. want soggy fries. You um, go well done. Um, I guess I haven't paid that much attention to my waffle okay, fries. Well, but if time, I'm feeling healthy, I'll get the fruit. Next time, care a little bit more. Okay. Um, and then I dip them in ranch because. Again, Northern Gal, we use ranch for everything. Fries and nugs in ranch? Nuggets, uh, Chick-fil-A sauce, okay. fries, ranch. And okay. then, guys, Amber K, I'm giving you a shout out. Um, she told me about how you can get iced coffee and use shake base instead of, like, milk. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. It's, it's so good. It's literally a smoothie for breakfast. Yes. Or, like, uh, a, sorry, or milkshake. A, there you a go. Milkshake, milkshake for breakfast. Yes. Uh, I have no shame. Also, all you Starbucks people out there that are getting those Frappuccinos, you're just drinking milkshakes for breakfast and you're trying to feel good about it. And you're paying $9 for them. <laughs> I, yes. just, I said it. Okay. Joanna, what's your Chick-fil-A order? Um, I didn't know that there were this many options at Chick-fil-A. Oh my gosh. There's <laughs> like, essentially a secret I, menu at Chick-fil-A. What? You got to, we'll tell you everything. Okay. Can't wait to hear about it. I usually just get the number two, which is like the spicy. Everything as spicy is. sandwich. Is that the deluxe or just the I do the spicy? deluxe one. I don't like the deluxe. I feel like the... The lettuce and the tomato gets kind of soggy. You just got to eat it fast. That's true. The <laughs> fries too. If you don't eat those fries right away, like even if I'm bringing Chick-fil-A home for my wife, I will eat the fries in the car because by the time <laughs> it gets home, it's like, it's they're not worth it. Well, I just eat it really fast. 
Anyway, I don't know. You could get your fries well done. Was that a joke? No, that's serious. Are you what? Yeah. yeah oh yeah. Extra like they'll like crispy. stick it in the like oil longer. Longer so that they're a little crispier and you don't get those like random soggy fries. What? It's huge. Yeah. I did not know that. Okay, I'll try it next time. But that's what I usually get. That and like a sweet tea or something. Yeah. Kind of bland, that's a right. That's a good order. Yeah. That's okay. a good order. I'm, I'm a spicy chicken guy myself. Actually, very similar to Jacob. I, I douse it with buffalo sauce. Like I literally just like what? dump an entire buffalo sauce on top of the spicy chicken sandwich. I go no drink, large fry, well done, Chick-fil-A sauce. But let me tell you a hack I just found out about today. I haven't tried it, so I can't confirm it, but I'm, I might go for lunch today and try this. You get the nugs, wh- whether you want to get five, eight, 12, you decide. And then you get mac and cheese and then you get buffalo sauce and you mix it oh. all together. Oh my gosh. Somebody said somebody said it was it's the greatest thing on the menu. Yeah. So you like literally it's like loaded mac. Yeah. With buffalo sauce. Yeah, we're trying that. I'll probably I'll probably try that soon. I just can't with buffalo sauce. Like I feel like buffalo sauce is a big flavor and I can't just like put it on everything. It's a lot. It is a big flavor. It basically consumes whatever like it's it touches you're just eating buffalo sauce when i lived in the fraternity yes. house and we had they would serve us food we basically had gallons of buffalo sauce that we just used to d- dump on everything because that was the only flavor you wanted to taste oh, oh, oh. that's sad yeah so speaking about taking things in excess <laughs> today that was my seamless transition into our topic for today another controversial one that we've uh, that we've seen in the church we're going to talk about the role of alcohol in the Christian life. And so uh, this has been something that people will like, a hill that people have died on. I've heard nobody, no Christians should drink alcohol. Like it should be completely banned. If you're following Jesus, like you should never drink alcohol. I've heard the other side where it's like freedom, liberty, do whatever you want with alcohol. This is a gift from God that you can just, you can just use however you want. And I think we're going to try and work our way today to to a, a little middle ground there. Spoiler alert. We're going to try and find maybe an in-between. And so what, like, what is the purpose of alcohol? From like a Christian biblical perspective, what would you guys say right off the bat, purpose of alcohol? Um, one, wine is a blessing from God, uh, but also drunkenness is a sin. What about beer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> Oh, actually, I like both. Uh, you know, guys, I hate to break it to you. Don't my, think. My translation s- <laughs> says tequila. <laughs> I don't think they had their margaritas and white claws Jesus back Crystal. then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but for real. Um, so so explain that. Wine yeah. is a blessing from God. Like alcohol, we could say, is a blessing from God. Yeah, okay, so we see directly from Scripture that um, – Wine is a blessing that um, it was used as an offering to God as part of a tithe that the Israelites would give to the Lord. Um, it was described as a sweet aroma to the Lord when it was tithed. Uh, it's that scripture says that God has is given- tithing alcohol kind of like pouring one out for the homies. <laughs> it's kind of like a Christian version of libations. It's like, hey, here, I'm going to pour, pour one out for God. Is that kind of what we're talking about? 
I'm not responding to that. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay. Um, we see wine symbolizing wealth and blessing and prosperity, um, which gives it this positive view. Um, and the Israelites were told to drink wine and celebrate in the presence of God as a way to revere him and rejoice in him. So um, there are so many scriptures that we can see. So if you guys want to look into this, which I encourage you to do, look up Deuteronomy 14, Numbers 15, Genesis 14, Psalm 104, Proverbs 3, Proverbs 9, Isaiah 25, Isaiah 1, and Deuteronomy 11. Nice. Dang, okay. that was a list. We'll, we'll have our sound engineer kind of put those in the Ooh, show yeah, notes. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have show notes, but I just, I like saying that. So you can hear that one. <laughs> so... I think what we want to focus in, just kind of summarize that first and foremost, alcohol in its appropriate context, mm-hmm. the purpose, it is a gift from God used mainly for, for celebration. Mm-hmm. And so where have we seen alcohol for, in the Bible? Like, where have we seen warnings about it? Where have we seen it uh, like condemned or where have we had like commands not to use it? Are there specific contexts for that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we see in scripture that people can use alcohol to um, take advantage of other people to, um, or like it says that there is much danger in being addicted to wine, that it can lead you astray. Um, Scripture tells us that we um, should be aware of hanging out with people who drink too much and that, um, drinking too much can cause people to be woeful and sorrowful and cognitively and visually impaired, y'all. Um, and then we see in scripture that there are specific people that are warned not to drink because of their position. So we see that with kings, um, that they shouldn't drink because it hinders their judgment. Um, Levites, uh, as they entered the the tabernacle. And, these and, and pre- real quick for our audience, what, yeah, what, yeah. what's a Levite? Um, they were the priests that would um, perform the sacrifices to the Lord um, when they were, you know, wandering in the wilderness. Um, they had that tabernacle where um, the presence of the Lord would be. And is it? It would it be? Would it be fair to to at least have a loose correlation with a Levite and like a pastor? What do y'all think? Mm. Is that fair or not fair? That's a good question. I think. Well, I mean. You alluded to it, but the New Testament kind of explicitly talks about um, a pastor, a church leader's relationship with alcohol. And so, I mean, yeah, I guess you could loosely tie it, but I would probably just look to that <laughs> where it's like, hey, this is this is what it is. But and, and the Levi thing, all that's like Old Testament before Jesus. It's a bunch of examples of alcohol. And I always thought it was super interesting um, as I was kind of learning biblical context, like what, what does scripture say about alcohol? Uh, there, there's a lot of like the blessing goodness language. And then there's a lot of explicit warning and all the blessing goodness aspect of it. A lot of times comes in. Um, it's just in the narrative, like in example of, Hey, there's this like wedding or there's this feast or this celebration or um, offering that it's implied that this is a really good thing, but scripture is also very explicit. And it more times talks about like, Hey, be warned or be weary of alcohol for these reasons. And so there's like an interesting dynamic is how it talks about those two things pretty evenly, but in, in pretty different ways. Yeah. We're going to get to the warnings in a second, but before we go there, let's, you mentioned it, the wedding, specifically the wedding at Cana. Mm-hmm. What do we know about that context and, and Jesus as it like pertains to alcohol? Um, the first miracle that Jesus performed in John chapter two, he turned water into wine. And that was a 
Good one. The best one. He saved the best for last. Yes. Uh, Which was not common, right? Scripture says that um, they would serve the, oh gosh, what is it? The the good one? No, the, yeah, the good one first. Good wine first. People get drunk, basically. And then they're like, taste buds are like, basically like raw anyway. Yeah. And then after they're gone, they bring out the, the, kind of cheap wine or the watered down wine. Yeah, it's like, it's like when people bring out, yeah, or the, the brunettes at the end of the party. <laughs> yeah. The brunettes? Yeah. Is yeah. That, I've never heard that. Sorry, time. Greek life thing. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay, so Jesus did that. Uh, <laughs> okay, but know. let's be clear, right? Jesus is not condoning drunkenness because we see elsewhere in scripture very strict um, uh um, what's the word? Moderation. Moderation. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Warnings against drunkenness. Yes. Warnings so, against take like having too much excess. Yeah. So Ephesians 5, y'all, these are some some strict ones. So hear us out, and I want to hear what you guys have to say too. But Ephesians 5, 17 through 18, it says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Like the way that it, it that contrasts. Same, yeah, it's the same word, I believe, drunk and filled. I think it's like the context is like be drunk with the Spirit. It's so like being like, control filled up so much that you're controlled by spirit rather than something like alcohol. Yeah. So if you're, if you're drunk with wine, therefore you are not being drunk with the spirit. Like that hinders your relationship with the Lord when you're drunk. Like, I'm sorry, hinders your relationship with the Lord. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. No one would want that. So anyway, anyway, that's um, pretty intense. And then Galatians 5, uh, 521, it lists drunkards um, along with other people who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah, that one, like anytime I'm talking to somebody about this or whenever I first started following Jesus and was kind of coming out of a lifestyle where I just abused alcohol, anytime I read that scripture where it gives this list of people, it's like, this is what your life looks like. And if this is what your life looks like, you will not inherit the kingdom. <laughs> and I'm like, that is terrifying. Like, I don't, I don't want to land there, especially with something as easily avoidable a lot of times as alcohol. Yeah. And so what's the appropriate context for, for the, our Christian listeners in college? What's the appropriate context for alcohol? When can they use it? When should they abstain? When should they like at least just consider what moderation looks like? Yeah, that's... um. You know, a lot of what we're talking about here, because in scripture, you see the the back and forth between this is good, this is a blessing when used appropriately, but there's also strict warnings. A lot of this comes down to like discernment and how you're going to use it. And, you know, obviously y'all who are in college, you know and see and experience the culture around alcohol. And for the most part in college, especially if you're going to like a big D1 you know, SEC, SEC school, school, if you're yeah. at the U of A, stuff like that, usually the culture is unhealthy. Like it's mostly, mostly abuse of alcohol, especially it's like, you know, somebody's not a believer. They don't have any convictions about it. That just kind of makes sense. It's hard to find out. the in-between. It's hard to find the in-between because usually the culture is so far in excess. It's like the most excess and the most abuse. And so then for the believer to be in that context, uh, one, obviously you got to be careful and you got to figure out for yourself what it means to live in that culture. It's like Jesus, he's praying for his disciples. He asks God not to take them out of the world, but to protect them and keep them while they're in the world. And so it's not so much as, you know, escape that culture completely, but depending, you know, on where you're at, like, for example, I'll just give myself as an example. When I first started to follow Jesus, uh, whenever I was in college, 
I came out of a culture of just abusing alcohol, excess, getting drunk, stuff like that. And whenever I first started following Jesus, because I was so new to it, I, for the most part, tried to stay out of situations on campus or at the house or at tailgates where everybody was just getting hammered because that was so much of my life for a few years that I was like, I need to basically grow in my maturity and my love for Jesus separate from this thing. So that way I don't get tempted to like fall into it. And after I kind of matured a little bit and again, grew in that love for Jesus, um, I stepped back into that aspect where it's like, yeah, I would go to the parties. I'm hanging out at the tailgates with all the guys. And I was able to do it in such a way where it wasn't so much of a temptation for me anymore. Like it wasn't appealing. I don't want to get drunk. Um, but that's just on getting drunk. So now we're going to talk about just drinking it in general. And this is where I think it can, a lot of the discernment has to come in. People have different opinions about it. Um, a lot of times whenever we're talking about this and some other, some other examples, we think of Paul, you know, when he's talking in in Romans and in first Corinthians, where he's basically talking about putting others above yourself. Uh, And so he gives an example of, Hey, there's basically these believers in Rome and he challenges them to not to potentially not eat meat that could have been sacrificed to these idols. So it's a really specific context, but he tells them to do that because even if they are strong in their convictions and they, they know it's like, this isn't a big deal. There could be other believers around who like, that is a big deal for them. And if they see them eating it, like it'll, it'll hurt their faith in some capacity. It'll cause them to stumble. And so that's a, that's a general principle that I think could be explicitly uh, laid over in the context of alcohol in college. Uh, Whenever I was in college and I was living in the fraternity house, um, obviously I didn't drink whenever I, before I was 21. It's like, nope, you're in sin if you're doing that and you're under 21, just because it's against the law. Um, But after I was 21, I, I always chose to not drink anything, uh, at the house or really in any of that context where I was around a lot of my fraternity brothers or people like that, because at that time they, there was a lot of instances where it's like people and especially younger guys and believers would look at me. And just because I was in a fraternity house and I was holding a beer, it automatic assumption is that you're raging. Uh, and I was like, man, I just don't want that on myself, especially cause I'm trying to share the gospel with some of these guys. So I don't want that witness tarnished and things like yeah, that. Or like the flip side, like an, another like angle at that would be, let's say you, you've come to a point you're 21. Hey, I like, you can handle alcohol in its appropriate context. You can do it in moderation in the right, right places, but you know that you're, you're little or your grand little can't they don't have that type of discernment they're trying to follow jesus and so you don't want to be a stumbling block to them even if you can do it appropriately you know that that if they see you drinking it it could lead them to to drunkenness and to doing it in a way that's not appropriate paul would say paul would say don't do it abstain from drinking it's better to not drink even though it is a gift from God, it is better to not drink than to cause one of your brothers or sisters to stumble. Yeah, definitely. Just that aspect of laying down your rights. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like that is just a a testimony to the Christian life, right? Like we are giving up our own freedoms that we may have to care for another as well. And that can go outside of the context of alcohol as well and so many different things. Yeah. But yeah, that's Romans 14, that stumbling block yeah. passage. Joanna, do you have any thoughts on that? Especially coming, I know you didn't go to the U of A like I did, so the culture was a little different, but what was your experience with that? 
Totally. Yeah. So I went to JBU, which is a Christian school. Um, and we actually signed a covenant that we would not drink at all. There's no alcohol at Christian schools. Nobody drinks. Yeah, everyone, no one everyone <laughs> follows at Christian schools. Everyone follows Jesus perfectly. I went to a Christian school. That's why, you know, right. Exactly. I never met. I never drank. Eileen and I are the secular people over here. <laughs> for, for those of you that can't, can't handle sarcasm over a podcast. That was complete sarcasm. <laughs> Josh is sarcastic. <laughs> Yeah, um, but we actually signed this covenant that we wouldn't drink at all, even if we were 21, um, at any point during our time at John Brown, like anyone. Wow. Um, and I honestly think that it taught a lot of people this like really unhealthy view of alcohol, like yeah. because it was so heavily restricted, everyone was like, oh, I'm going to do this like, like if, more. If I'm going to drink, I might as well go Totally, for it. totally. Um, and it even created this like culture of shame to where people were struggling, who were struggling um, with it, didn't want to bring that to anyone else um, and ask yeah. for help. Um, but um, so I will say that like one of the other things what comes with practical application is um, if you know, if you are 21 um, and you are legally allowed to drink, but you know that you have this tendency to abuse alcohol or just overconsume in general, um, it's more God honoring to just not, even though you can, like you have the, like you, you can do it. Um, it's more on God honoring to just not do it. Um, just knowing yourself, um, knowing that this will, like Ali said, affect your relationship with the Lord, um, affect your walk with God. Um, and so it's more God honoring, just not do it. Um, and then again, thinking of other people and thinking about your witness, um, as a Christian, um, if you're around people that you're going to cause them to stumble by drinking, then just don't do it. Um, I have a story about, well, Ryan was telling me this story about when he just came on staff. And this was when we were talking about, um, Ryan Burton is one of our worship leaders here at Fellowship Fayetteville. Um, and he was telling me about how we consume or what our relationship, um, as church staff should be with alcohol. Um, and he was saying that he was at this concert at George's, um, and this was like his like first couple months on staff or something. Um, and he went up to the bar and he got a beer for himself and then he got a beer for a buddy. And so he's holding two beers in his hands. Um, <laughs> and this college student is there Ooh. and she sees him kind of just vibing the music, holding two beers. Um, and then she came up to someone later in the week and was like, Hey, this worship leader was getting like totally like hammered at this party. Oh man. Um, and so just be aware that people are, are watching you as a mm. Christian. Um, be aware of the effect that that is having on other people's relationship with Christ. Um, and then another thing is um, we're citizens of heaven ultimately, but we are called to be good stewards of our citizenship um, in the country that we're living in. Um, and the laws of the land, the United States, is that you can't drink and drive. Uh, you can't drink when you're under 21. Um, and so as good Christians and good stewards, um, we are called to obey those laws where they don't contradict the Bible. And so- um, And even to take that a step further, Romans 13 says, the reason we should obey the like our local laws, our, our state laws, and, and like our federal laws is because God ultimately has the sovereignty and authority over those positions. And we should treat those- as if God himself gave those to us, as long as they don't contradict like God's own law. And so 
it's not only, hey, do this because the government said so, but obeying these laws honors honors God as mm-hmm. if he was the one that gave it. Yeah. In, in that same passage, it says that if you um, do those things, if you're drinking under the age of 21, so like if you are going against your government, you are therefore opposing the ordinance of God and will receive condemnation upon yourself. Like this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um it, so I just, I think that it can be kind of lax sometimes. And so so the reason that we are even bringing this up is because a lot of us grew up in these, these Christian homes and grew up in the church where it's like, hey, you don't talk about these type of things. And so as Drianna was saying, it's like what that ends up creating is this like all or nothing mentality. I'm either going to just avoid it because all alcohol is sinful. I don't even want to think about it, look at it, like, or it creates this, well, if I'm going to drink since it's already evil and bad, I'm going to, I'm just going to go and get drunk. And I'm just going to live this like reckless lifestyle. And so we want to help y'all understand alcohol and it's in its appropriate context. And like any other gift of God, it can easily be abused. If you look at any, any sin, it usually starts with a good thing that God has given that we in our own sinful flesh and sinful nature manipulate and twist to our own liking. And so same thing about sex. I'm sure we'll talk about that later in this podcast. Like same thing with alcohol, same thing. Like all these all these traps that we fall into are when we take God's good gifts and either manipulate it and twist it or elevate it to, to a place of God in our lives. And that's something I've seen in my own life, even – even in this this last season where I would say, hey, I I haven't been drunk, like I, I treat alcohol appropriately, there's even another stumbling block where you can so easily turn to alcohol, even if you do it in moderation, even if you do it appropriate context, you can view alcohol as this like, uh, this savior or this mm-hmm. idol where it's like, oh man, I've had a long day. Mm-hmm. I would love just like a beer and watch TV or like, and I've had a long day. Like, okay, if I can just if I can just make it home and pour like a little glass of, of whiskey, like, then everything will be okay. And although it doesn't sound crazy, it's using alcohol as in place of God and, and mm-hmm. elevating that, and that w- which is also sin. Yeah, yeah, that's why we gotta be so careful when we're thinking about it because it can creep in in a really small amount like that. And if you're not being discerning and thinking really intentionally about it and surrounding yourself with people who are going to help you do that and who will challenge you. Maybe if they see a pattern like that in your life, uh, it can snowball, it can get worse. Um, I'm sure some of you listening to this have experienced either personally uh, or with family or other close loved ones, alcoholism and how that gets played out. And um, it's a really nasty thing. And so that's why there, that's why there are so many warnings. <laughs> that's why as we're talking about this, it keeps coming up so much. But ultimately, I think what a lot of it comes back to, which we've even discussed in the last episode, is that uh, Jesus is calling us to this like better way of life. Whenever yeah. he says, follow me, it is a better way of life. Uh, and it's the abundant life that he wants to give us. And so some of these kind of like guardrails and warnings about alcohol or anything else. Um, it's all in the context of that. This is a better way to live. Uh, and a lot of times I have to remind myself of that whenever I start thinking like, Oh my gosh, like what? Like, I feel like I just can't do these things for no reason. It's like, no, Jesus is actually saying it's way more fun. It's way more life giving whenever you, uh, live in the context to which I've called you to live. 
Yeah, and, we, and we've seen that. Like everyone here in this podcast and probably a lot of you listening have experienced how when you abuse alcohol, it like legitimately takes life. Mm-hmm. It's actually one of the things that I feel like you regret almost instantly. It's like you wake up the next morning or or like you, you start to look in the mirror down the road. You're just like, man, this thing that was was promising that I thought was going to give me something that I wanted is, is actually taking me farther than, than where I wanted to go. And it's actually like, it's actually taking life from me if we don't do it appropriately and in the right contexts. Yeah, absolutely. So before we close, any, any final thoughts or any, anything is like, Hey, if I'm going to leave these students with one thing that they, they can take with them about the role of alcohol in the Christian life, what, what would y'all say? Yeah, I would, um, I would say that to just remember that if you're a believer listening to this, if you're a Christian, uh, we have an incredible freedom in Christ that we get to figure out what that looks like through discernment with the spirit. Uh, and so to remember that as you're thinking about what is your alcohol consumption, participation in it going to look like, and that wherever you land on that, whether it's like, Hey, for me, I'm just not going to drink at all. That's great. If it's for me, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do it obviously in moderation in the right context. That's great. Uh, and as Christians, we're called to live with each other in such a way that something like that doesn't become divisive. And we don't start holding on to some of our own personal convictions that maybe the spirit's giving us as objective things that other people have to follow. Um, and so just know it's like, Hey, we're called to live in unity amongst these things with people. Um, and then also just a challenge, uh, to again, anybody who's a believer listening to this, uh, that again, as a Christian, um, we, we get to use these things that God has given us and that a lot of times people will abuse as a, like a signal light to him. And so how we're using alcohol, whether you're participating or not, it's always pointing to God. Um, again, both because that's a better way to live, but also because God's worth it. And that's what he's called us to yeah. do. And so as you think about it, just think about those two things. That's what I would say. Amen. Yeah, that was really good. I mean, just to sum all of that up, First uh, Corinthians 10, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So um, if you're drinking a margarita, is it for the glory of God or is it not? Ask that question. Mm. It can be, sorry. That's good. No, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. Well, Fellowship College, we love you guys, and we will see you next week. Until then, grace, grace and, and peace. peace. <laughs>